0: Welcome to the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast, brought to you by Ruane Attorneys. The answers you need, the privacy you deserve. Each season tackles a different area of criminal law. Now, to your host, Jay Ruane. Hello, I am Jim Ruane, and for over 30 years, I've been a certified criminal trial specialist here in Connecticut that makes me one of the few experts in the field of law available to help you with your criminal case. Today we're going to talk about one of the embarrassing things about the criminal justice system in Connecticut. Motion practice. Now whenever you see anyone uh, acting as a lawyer on TV or in a movie, it usually comes with them filing paperwork on behalf of their client. This is usually done in the form of a motion. A motion is a request for the court to take some action. For the most part in criminal cases, we see two types of motions. The first motion is a motion to dismiss. A motion to dismiss is exactly what it sounds like. It's a request that the judge dismiss the charges against someone because of a legal defect in the case. Sometimes people may claim that there is a jurisdiction issue and claim the case should be dismissed because it is brought in the wrong court. Or that the state can't show probable cause for a case to a neutral judge. Those are the basis for a motion to dismiss. In other situations, like perhaps after the completion of a diversionary program, a motion to dismiss will be made by the defense because the client is entitled to a dismissal of the charges by law. Now let's talk about something a little more complicated, a motion to suppress. A motion to suppress usually is filed when the police or prosecution may have done something illegal to obtain evidence. When they undertake an illegal act, they should not get the benefit of using the evidence against you. So this is when a lawyer would file a motion to suppress citing your Fourth Amendment rights. So let's talk about searches. The Fourth Amendment to the United States Constitution and Article 1, Subsection 7 of the Connecticut Constitution prohibit unreasonable searches and seizures. Article 1, subsection 7 of the Connecticut Constitution mirrors the Fourth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and reads as follows, The people shall be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and possessions from unreasonable searches or seizures, and no warrant to search any place or to seize any person or thing shall issue without describing them as nearly as may be, nor without probable cause supported by oath or affirmation. The touchstone of the 4th Amendment analysis is whether a person has a constitutionally protected reasonable expectation of privacy. Where a defendant can show an actual subjective expectation of privacy in the place searched or in the object seized and that this subjective expectat- expectation of privacy is one that society is prepared to recognize as reasonable, the government must it must have a warrant supported by probable cause, before affecting the search. Conversely, without a reasonable expectation of privacy, a search performed by government officials or a public employer will not violate the Fourth Amendment, regardless of the search's nature and scope. This provision is significant to a criminal defendant because evidence that is unreasonably seized may be inadmissible in the case against him or her. As nearly every prosecution involving drugs involves the admission of those drugs into evidence, this constitutional protection and the related exclusionary rule is of paramount importance to the defendant facing drug charges, because as a practical matter, if the introduction of the narcotics can be prevented by establishing the illegality of the search and seizure, which turned up the evidence, the prosecution will be defeated. The initial burden of going forward on a pretrial motion to suppress is on the defendant, but the burden of proof is on the state on most of the issues governing whether evidence obtained by the state should be suppressed. The Connecticut Practice Book, which are the Connecticut Rules of Court, allows the defendant to file a motion to suppress potential testimony or other evidence when suppression is required under the or laws of the United States or the state of Connecticut. Under the practice book, and also section 5433F of the Connecticut General Statutes, the defendant can file a motion to suppress evidence obtained without a warrant when a warrant was required. When officers have probable cause to make an arrest, they can lawfully search the person pursuant to the search incident to arrest exception to the warrant requirement. An officer can stop, stop a suspect if they have reasonable and articulable suspicion that the individual has committed or is about to commit a crime. When determining if a police officer has a reasonable articulable suspicion, the court applies what is known as the totality of the circumstances test. That is, the court must determine whether the detaining officers had a particularized and objective reason for stopping the person suspected of criminal activity. Furthermore, if an officer reasonably believed that the detained individual might be armed or dangerous, The officer may undertake a pat-down search to discover weapons. When individuals are stopped for suspected narcotics activities, it is reasonable for officers to conclude that the suspects might be armed and dangerous because narcotic activity is the type of activity that can result in sudden violence. Officers do not need to be positive that a suspect has a weapon to conduct a pat-down they are allowed to make reasonable inferences based on the surrounding circumstances and their prior experiences. Furthermore, there is a well-established connection between drugs and firearms. Under Terry, an officer is allowed to conduct an open-handed pat-down of the suspect to check for weapons. If an officer has to manipulate the object to determine what it is, he or she has exceeded the lawful scope of a Terry pat-down. However, if he merely recognized the object as a weapon or contraband without manipulation, that's considered a plain field and it applies the plain field doctrine and is a lawful search and seizure if he removes it from the defendant's person. Now let's talk about houses or homes, which are different. In order to search your home, the police need a warrant supported by probable cause and the warrant must be signed by a neutral and detached magistrate. Also, there is no good-faith exception to the warrant requirement in Connecticut. Unlike federal courts, the Connecticut State Court and State Constitution does not allow for a good-faith exception to the warrant requirement. If a warrant is facially defective, the evidence cannot be admitted under what we call the good-faith exception. If the officers think someone else is in the house that poses a danger, they can also look for weapons in the area immediately joining where the defendant is arrested, even if not authorized by a warrant. The Connecticut Appellate Court has held that where officers possess a reasonable belief based upon specific and articulable facts that areas in the house to be swept harbor an individual posing a danger to those at the arrest scene, the officers may engage in a limited search for such an individual. And the search is limited to those areas where an individual individual can be found. For example, not hiding in a dresser drawer. They can also search for weapons in areas immediately adjoining where the defendant is arrested, even if they are already handcuffed. This exception is important because if the officer is lawfully present, anything they can observe in plain view, which is immediately recognizable as contraband, such as drugs or weapons, can be seized lawfully. Now, the search and your car. When a police officer has made a lawful custodial arrest of the occupants of an automobile, he he may, as a contemporaneous incident of that arrest, search the passenger compartment of the vehicle. This is called a search incident to arrest. The officer may also examine the contents of any container found within the passenger compartment as such container may be searched, whether it is open or closed. Furthermore, when the hatchback area of a car can be reached from the interior passenger area, it can also be searched incident to arrest. This is important because anything an officer finds in plain view while looking for a weapon is admissible in court, including drugs. Police officers may also conduct an investigatory frisk of passengers in an automobile if they believe a passenger in the automobile possesses a weapon. When a reasonable and articulable suspicion exists, the detaining officer may conduct an investigative stop of the suspect to confirm or to dispel his suspicions. During a Terry stop, an officer may search the automobile's passenger compartment for weapons, limited to areas where the weapon may be hidden. If, and this is a big if, he or she reasonably believes the suspect is potentially dangerous. In Connecticut, our appellate court has defined what, quote, a reasonable and articulable suspicion, close quote, means. Quote, what constitutes a reasonable and articulable suspicion depends on the totality of the circumstances. The determination of whether a specific set of circumstances provides a police officer with a reasonable and articulable suspicion of criminal activity is a question of fact for the trial court and is subject to limited appellate review. That is from the case of State v. Anderson, 1991. Police officers may conduct a search of the entire automobile including the trunk and the containers in the car if they have probable cause to believe that contraband can be found in the car. This is commonly known as the automobile exception. The justification for the automobile exception is twofold. One, the inherent mobility of an automobile creates exigent circumstances. That means that basically that a person can drive away quickly and evidence can be lost. Or two, the expectation of privacy with respect to one's automobile is significantly less than that relating to one's home or office. Probable cause to search exists if, number one, there is probable cause to believe that the particular item sought to be seized are connected with criminal activity or will assist in a particular apprehension or conviction. And two, there is probable cause to believe that the items sought to be seized will be found in the place to be searched. So if an officer has probable cause, they can search the trunk of the automobile. Finally, let's talk about the inventory search. Officers can search an automobile pursuant to the inventory search as well. Our appellate court has further explained the inventory search of the car as a well-defined exception to the warrant requirement. In the performance of their community caretaking functions, the police are frequently obliged to take automobiles into their custody. A standardized procedure for making a list or inventory as soon as reasonable after reaching the station house deters false claims and also inhibits theft or careless handling of items taken from the arrested person. As you can see from all of this, the law on searches is complicated and challenging, even to lawyers with decades of experience like me. Every case that has a suppression issue should be investigated by an expert criminal defense lawyer to make sure that you get the best defense. I'm Jim Ruane. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Connecticut Criminal Law Podcast. For more information or to get a free consultation for your criminal law questions, visit us at ruaneattorneys.com or call or text 203-925-9200.